Was that what you were talking about? It was Honey wax, chunks, but same thing. Like wax. Oh, wax. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. That's where wax comes from, right? <laughs> yes. I think so. I'm yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Where else? Right. Would it come right. From? So much to learn. Now I'm going to go down a wax rabbit hole. (laughs) 45 minutes on beeswax coming right up. (laughs) Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 38. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and today we're talking about how to leave the past in the past, the future in the future, and how to live in the present. We're encouraged in so many ways these days to take things slowly and to relish the here and now. But this is easier said than done, especially amidst today's busyness, noise, and distraction. Living in the here and now is difficult when all we tend to do is want to dwell on our past or worry about where we're headed. But first, if you're enjoying the Modern Lady podcast as much as we enjoy creating it, the best way that you can show your support is by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Michelle and I love reading your comments, and we know that when you take the time to leave a review, it helps others find our podcast. This week's shout out goes to, and I hope I'm saying this correctly, nine times a mom, who left us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, commenting, quote, I have really wanted to listen, but I don't make time for podcasts until tonight when I thought, just hit play while you're prepping dinner. It was a great topic and just the perfect length. One of the best parts was that as my kids wandered in and out of the room, I didn't have to worry about censoring and the kids actually wanted to hear what I was listening to, Mr. Vitoric and his fantastic advice. Thanks, ladies. I will make time to listen more, end quote. Well, thank you so much for listening to the show and for your rating and review. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Here's a recipe for you. Mix together an ostrich egg, tortoise shell, and some gall nuts, and then apply liberally to your smelly parts. Well, Michelle, with the long, hot days of summer finally upon us, I started thinking about sweat and body odor. And I have some more tips for our listeners from the ancient Egyptians on how to control their body odor this summer. As we know, Egypt is hot, and so it's no surprise that they have been experimenting with deodorants for a very long time. One of the ways that they endeavored to smell good was by attaching a wax cone to their wigs that was scented with fragrant plants like cardamom, cinnamon, myrrh, and rose. And this wax would melt during the hot day, releasing scent. These fragrances would also be incorporated into their jewelry and applied right onto the skin. Just like today, many ancient Egyptians would have incense burning too to help mask the odors around them. If the ostrich egg mixture doesn't work, you could also try carob and porridge as an underarm deodorant too, just like the ancient Egyptians. The history of controlling body odor is fascinating, and it's been a hot topic recently. I don't know if you saw this in the news, but there was a new poll that just came out last month that shows 40% of Generation Zers, I don't even know how old Generation Zers are, but they're not wearing deodorant on a regular basis. In fact, many of them don't even buy it anymore. So I started to think that maybe we'll soon get an idea of what the world smelled like before we overly perfumed it. And 
as I was digging down this rabbit hole, I really saw that we live in a highly odor controlled environment. That is something that had never really happened in the past. And so we really have no idea what the natural world smells like. Oh, that is an interesting thought. (laughs) I I was thinking about our topic today and anxiety and thinking about the future. I'm like, now I do have anxiety about the future. (laughs) What is it going to smell like? Um, (laughs) uh, Great tip about the porridge under the arm. We often have porridge for breakfast and now I know what to do with the leftovers. So (laughs) this is great. Oh my goodness. I, I did not know that you could think so much on odor (laughs) and what to do about odor thank you for this yeah this summer i'm here for you just find some gall nuts whatever those are (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you know all those leftover honeycombs Mm -hmm. you have just stick it in your wig and you're good to go Before we begin today's discussion, we want to state that the only purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. It is no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other medical professionals. This episode of the Modern Lady podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional services or advice. Instead, we encourage you to discuss your options with your healthcare provider. I was just reading Uh, an excerpt from an article in Verily magazine this morning, and they were quoting Simone Weil, who was a French philosopher who lived in the earlier 1900s. And they were quoting her when she said, to be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. And I just found this so relatable to our topic today, because isn't that what we all so badly want is to just feel settled? Right, Lindsay? Yeah. And to feel deeply rooted, what means that you're not holding on to the past or being too stressed about the future, right? That you're Mm -hmm. deeply rooted in today. And when we first discussed this as a possible topic, um, I was first inspired by a brief blog post on the Finer Femininity Facebook page that I sent to you. And it opened with the words, Mm -hmm. one day at a time from Father Jacques Philippe. And the post is short, but the author makes two very important points, namely that We are given enough grace to deal with whatever is going to happen to us today. And they point out um, that the manna in the Old Testament that was given to the Jews in Exodus, it would spoil if it was stockpiled and that they were given enough daily to sustain them. And then the same sentiment occurs later in scripture within the words of the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, which is give us this day our daily bread. So, Michelle, you know, I sent you this post. And we both agree that we would love to touch mm-hmm. on anxiety and talk about um, how to move away from dwelling on our pasts and worrying about our futures so that we can fully abandon ourselves to God's will for us today and to fully trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What often happens when we have these conversations about what we sh- what we want to talk about or maybe how we could go in a particular direction, we immediately start seeing like all kinds of posts or <laughs> other podcasts or articles. And it's like the podcast version of buying a new car for us, right? <laughs> yes, you buy a new yes. car and then you see the model everywhere. And this it was just the most recent example of That's that right. happening to us. So obviously, and we take that as a sign that this is relevant and prevalent and that other people are thinking about this too. Yep. Yep. So call it synchronicity or call it the Holy Spirit. But a a great quote came up like later that day on Kendra Tierney's Instagram account at Catholic All Year. Basically, Michelle, this is Kendra Tierney's podcast at this point, right? I think we reference her. (laughs) 
<laughs> enough that we just have to get her on. But I wonder if she, she knows she has I a know. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Um, but she posted a quote um, that very same afternoon, I think, after you and I discussed this from St. Unipero Sarah, that just was simply always forward, never back. And mm. yes, that's only four words. And it goes so much deeper than this. We'll go into this more. But that really got us thinking, too. Um, I think it's safe to say that both of us have suffered from anxiety and that we both made some headway in dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is so much talk these days about this idea of mindfulness, right? Mm. And being aware of our surroundings and the present moment. Um, but we do just kind of tend to throw it out there as a haphazard solution to our busyness. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think a lot of us actually take time to follow through because it's actually hard to do, right? You probably have to to be mindful you probably have to pause your day for a moment and who has time for that and it's actually going on in our brain so let's look Mm. take a brief look at kind of what's going on in our brain so we are not neurologists we're not psychologists but dr bill crawford is so i'll get a quote from him so (laughs) so he explains that quote for example The part of the brain that is designed to keep us safe in dangerous situations, the limbic system, has a tendency to look to the past and or to the future for things that we should be worried about. Unfortunately, most of the data it comes up with is with the information that is A, isn't truly dangerous, and is B, isn't within our control. This has those of us who consistently worry about the past and or the future feeling vulnerable and anxious because we are getting signals that something was or will be wrong, but we are not in the position to do anything about it. This then triggers a new round of stress chemicals and we find ourselves trapped in what he calls, or I call because it's Dr. Crawford speaking, the cycle of stress, end quote. Dr. Crawford goes on to say that the way we break this cycle is by changing our worrying into awareness. And these are two different things, the words worrying versus awareness. Mm -hmm. And these two things activate different areas of our brain. So when we redefine it as being aware, then we can just focus on what we can control, which is the present day. And one of the things that Dr. Campbell says that when we're faced with a normally anxiety invoking situation, right, which happens actually quite a lot in this world, Mm -hmm. um, we need to make our new feelings of awareness and control as we work on this, be our new benchmarks. We need to practice this. Like so many things we've talked about before, it is a skill that we have to actually learn. Our brain will naturally try to fall back into its old patterns of worry and stress and fear. But we need to tell ourselves that what is happening is simply our brain working in its old way that it's used to doing to try to keep us safe and that it's okay. And that our brain is doing what it's supposed to do but that we do have things under control and that we're calm, but this does take practice. Um, So without stressing about our future, which we're trying to encourage people not to do, we do need to understand that our present does dictate our future. So the reality is still that what we're doing today (laughs) does impact our future, but try not to stress about that. That's Um, right. We need to see each moment for what it is. And then we need to act appropriately to change what we can change. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot, how our inability to live in the present moment with peace Mm. uh, may be a lack of satisfaction or fulfillment, you know, whether for me, it might be just out of boredom, like I'm just bored right now. And I feel like I should be doing something else, maybe something important or glamorous. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just defining another episode. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you could, your mind could be going back to a time when you did do something fulfilling or satisfying or enjoyable, or it could be worrying about the future thinking, is this it? Is this going to be the way it is forever? Um, And then you go into panic mode. But, uh, you know, in reading Interior Castle, um, Mm -hmm. St. Teresa of Avila talks about it. She, she says, quote, I know the power obedience has of making things easy, which seem Mm -hmm. impossible, end quote. And so this is what I'm trying to do, like in the moment, um, what are you supposed to be doing right now? Right. So when you are in the moment and you do what you're supposed to be doing right now, it kind of all tends to work out a lot better and it calms your mind, right? Right. It's like that idea of asking your kids to do something and they do something else, even if it's a good thing, that disobedience to their duty in the moment has thrown off the flow, the how things were supposed to go. Um, it's just thrown things off kilter a little bit. And so in our life too, if we can just focus on what we're supposed to be doing, it kind of takes the pressure off of us to be um, in charge and controlling of every little thing that's going to happen. Right. Right. One of my favorite quotes, and this isn't an exact quote, it's just something I remembered over the years and I tell myself when I get into that um, that place, is that worrying is like a rocking chair. Have you ever heard this? Oh, no. No, I haven't. Um, so it's like picture like you're rocking back and forth like as fast as you can, furiously, right? And you're yeah. expecting to get somewhere because you're moving oh. it back and forth, but you're never <laughs> going to get anywhere. You're just stuck in that same place. So I tell mm. myself all the time that worrying is like a rocking chair. And um but you know what? Our brains are, again, hardwired to worry. It's it's literally survival mode. But when our brains drift between painful events in our past and anxiety about our futures, we actually create then a thought pattern. And this thought pattern creates a new pathway in our brain. And it takes something that is normal, being wired for survival. And it makes us think that we're in danger on a daily basis, which we're not. And so this causes a great and long-lasting stress. Oh, yeah. We are hardwired to get through this as we know for our hunter-gatherer pasts, but we aren't supposed to be at the sustained level of stress that people are finding that they're in all the time right now. And when we carry that daily stress, we are miserable. And then we tend to blame it on things like the traffic or our job that we don't like. But in reality, if we stop and think about it, we're, we're reliving past hurts constantly and we're worrying about being hurt again. And then as a total aside, I was just thinking like, even when you log on to Facebook and you see your memories, um, mm. depending on how much you share, you might be like, going, oh yeah, I remember that day. Even if you didn't write about something bad that happened, it might trigger past hurts too. So we're like constantly being flooded with, in a new way that's never happened mm. before, our past being kind of hurled back at us when we're not expecting it. Right. Or it. I didn't even think about those Facebook memories, the Instagram memories, because mm-hmm. it could even be in a positive way. Like it makes you too wistful. Yes. For a yeah. romanticized version of your past. Like you're remembering it so much better than maybe it actually was because the picture was so nice. Oh right? my goodness. Yes. That's yeah. one of the things I actually wrote about that I've had to move past. So I'll talk about that in a minute, but you're absolutely right. That's a different version of this holding on to the past that isn't always healthy for us as well. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to talk one more thing about like a bodily response and how our bodies react to anxiety and and stuff is I struggled for years um, with undiagnosed PTSD from something that happened in my past. And when the memory would come into my mind, 
um, sometimes because I called it into my mind, it was um, involuntary. I would have an immediate physical response and my heart would start racing and it was beating so hard, you know, when you can like feel it outside of your chest and I could literally feel the blood rushing through my body and my breathing would become impacted and I would go very physically weak. And Mm. this bodily response is actually very normal. It's a normal reaction to danger, but your body can't tell if something happened to you in the past or the future, or if it's happening right now. So your body thinks you're in danger at that moment. And so it's really important that we tap into a quote, higher cognitive process, um, which is a different part of the brain. And it's the part of the brain that controls our decision-making and our problem solving. And so when we engage that part of the brain, then we can practice and it's called present moment awareness. And then we can interrupt the circulatory feedback and it switches to a different part of the nervous system. We're not going to get too crazy with the science here, but Mm -hmm. that we do have to tap into that part of our brain to control what's happening to our bodies at that moment. Yeah, that's so interesting. I didn't know that about the body, uh, about the mind, that it can't distinguish timelines. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so that really does put a different spin on something traumatic that may have happened in the past that keeps manifesting itself physically and why that is so hard to move beyond. Like I, yeah, that's a perspective that I didn't think of. That's interesting. Um, the website likepack.org gave a few, they gave quite a few tips, but I wrote down just a few of the ones I thought were extra helpful. Um, so if you're trying to calm down when you're having that feeling of an anxiety attack, like I was just describing, um, they recommend trying the four, four and four breathing technique, which is breathing in through your nose for four seconds, out through your nose for four seconds and doing that four times. Another thing that they recommend that I found has really helped me is leaning into the what ifs. So like, go ahead, go there. What if it does happen? And I started letting my brain go there and it has turned my stomach, right? Like literally made me nauseous to think through Mm. what I think could happen, but then you feel it through. And then I can tell myself that if the worst case does happen, um, then it's not really coming out of me out of nowhere, coming to me out of nowhere. Although I have to be honest that I have lived through a few worst case scenarios and that no matter how much you've prepared for something like the death of a loved one after a prolonged illness, you still are never fully prepared, right? When it actually does happen. But -hmm. having gone through the what ifs, my brain then knows this, but I also know that when I allow myself (laughs) to go through this exercise, um, it does help me prepare still in a, in a, in a way, um, The other Mm -hmm. few points really briefly is just take back the control, control what you can take over. Um, There are, there's more control we have than we think we have. And I thought this was interesting, Michelle, is to rate your worry on a scale. So put it on a scale of one to five, and this will close you, like cause you to slow down, right. And really evaluate your situation. And then as you do that, you kind of develop your own capacity um, to rate it quicker as you go on. And then you develop kind of an internal scale of where you're at in your worry. And the last point is to write it out and talk it out. Um, You and I have talked about this before, that talk therapy is one of the most effective techniques that's been used since the beginning of time and used in psychology to help people. Um, But I want to advise people to be careful about revealing too much of your private details to friends um, about situations that they really don't need to know about. Um, Of course, you can lean on your friends, but sometimes when we unload our burdens on people, especially people who are... um, very sensitive and caring and make good friends, they tend to take on your heavy load then and it increases their anxiety. And so it's important to turn to professionals who are trained to deal with these situations. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's important too, to realize the, the importance and the goodness that is professionals. Like if you need to go talk it out, right? Yeah. Um, I really believe in the benefit of having an objective person every once in a while coming in, right? Because another thing about friends or family, um, there is so much comfort to be found in being able to speak to someone who cares so deeply about you. They may be biased depending (laughs) on what it is that you're anxious about because they know you almost too well. (laughs) And so it's good if you are going to go to talk therapy, I think, to have a wide sample of people that maybe you go to, if if that's what is going to help you, go to right. a professional, but also maybe talk to your mom if you have a close relationship with them or your sister or a girlfriend or your spouse. And from all of that, then maybe you can come up with some sort of solution or clearer idea of what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like what you were saying too about leaning into the what ifs, because if these are natural feelings and natural emotions that we had uh, even in the past for fight or flight and survival mode and all these things, then um, perhaps we can just accept the feelings for what they are and in doing so, not let them fester so much. Like if we put it in a box and put it in the corner, then it's always there and we're not dealing with it because we feel like it shouldn't be there at all. Right. But just taking it and and doing something with it in that moment can maybe prevent some of the anxiety. I've been in a different kind of a way trying to do that by putting my imagination to good use. Mm, (laughs) We have to let it spiral into control. But for me, these past few years, dealing with social anxiety has been very new. I'm usually uh, a fairly extroverted person, very at ease in social situations. Um, but for some reason, these past few years, it's been a constant struggle worrying that I'm going to somehow damage or harm my relationships or friendships. Mm-hmm. And so I-, I have to use my imagination and think back to that time and objectively say, can I recall something that I said or did that obviously offended or was ill-natured? Um, and if I did, was it on purpose? And if the answer to either of those questions is no, then I need to move on. Um, and often I'll then imagine then what is that person I'm worried about most likely to be doing right at this minute? And that's where the imagination comes in. Usually the answer is not thinking about me. <laughs> so <laughs> so then I can kind of smile and laugh at the silliness of this particular moment of worry. And then I will force myself to move on from it. Um, and then also pray that if I'm missing something in my worries or anxieties after thinking about it objectively, that it will be revealed to me. I can pray for that so that I can do something about it. Otherwise, you just um, you can let it go. I love what you said about using our imagination for good because I have a very active imagination. And like we were saying before, like one of the things that um, really impacts me is when I do look too much to the past. So we know that anxiety comes to most people at some point in your life and it takes different, um, you know, it looks differently for everybody. Mm-hmm. And yeah, after Ellie's birth, um, a lot of people know, you know, I had to, my life had to be saved. Um and that's just one of several crazy things that have happened to me in my life. But my anxiety really ramped up after her birth. And I didn't realize kind of how much it was impacting me until she was a few years old. And all of a sudden I realized that it wasn't normal to cry when Jason was loading the kids into the car to take 
go get groceries because I would picture them in a car accident and picture them dead. Mm. Like, like that wasn't, mm. but that was happening. It was happening more and more and more. And I realized I was canceling so many fun activities that we had had um, planned with the family, like, because I was worried about the slightest amount of snow on the road or large crowds and the risk factors that could happen in that. And I was like, it it was impacting my family's, um, fun and, and, and that sort of thing. And so, you know, and I want to point out too, that we are a policing family and this is common in policing families as well, because sadly, worst case scenarios are played out, um, on a weekly basis in my husband's job and that filters through to our family. And so, um, it's very normal for policing families to assess the risk of every event you go to because police are trained to assess the risk. Right. But that Mm kind of started to feed into my own personal anxiety and, it, it it was very hard. And, and there was a moment where I went out for dinner with a couple girlfriends and they ended up being a little bit late. So I got to sit at the bar and have a cocktail in a beautiful restaurant, which is like a dream half hour for mm. any busy mom. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and I was sitting there and I was trying to be in the moment, but there was the 24 hour news channel on, on one of the TVs in the restaurant, like behind the bar. And it was right, right. in front of me. And the, the ticker tape was like relaying these horrific headlines about violent crimes done to children. And I'm sitting there and my heart is racing and I'm like, I'm just trying to enjoy my cocktail. And I really thought back to how we canceled cable several years ago. And I'm so thankful that we did because I would have those channels on during the day and having these constant headlines feeding us with everything we should be worried about wasn't serving me well. And I'm not saying we should censor our stuff. I'm a huge believer in seeing with our own eyes, the horrors of the world. But again, it's another thing that we can take control of. We can control the cycle of what's coming into our minds based on what we're seeing on social media and on TV. Yeah. And, and how much of it, right? Yeah. The biggest thing I think I've had to learn through all this, and it's a lot of what you were saying was this, uh, idea of trusting and it's trusting in God and his plan for my life. It's trusting in the support system that I have. Like you were saying with, you know, a mom and a sister and friendships, like I have Mm. to trust that Jason is the man that God chose to be my spouse in good times and in bad. So I trust in the sacramental power of our marriage and the graces that can pour forth from that. Um, I trust in the friendships I have and in the community that we have built around us. And so when I lean into my what ifs and I focus on the worst case scenario, I then can focus on how all of those people would be there for me and the comfort that I would have and that, you know, the worst come what may is still what God has allowed to happen to me. And that's how I've reshaped kind of the dark decade I had in my life is seeing now Mm -hmm. I see God's hand all over that, which I didn't see when I was in that. And, uh, you know, he allows whatever's going to happen to us, good or bad. He allows us to go through that, knowing the potential for it to transform us and transform me. It did. Yeah. Trusting in God and also trusting in yourself too. I think we can give ourselves a little bit more credit to to withstand a lot more than we think we can. And maybe a lot of this fear comes from a lack of certainty, knowing whether we would be able to survive this, right? right. right? Um, and, And the fact is, is that we see from beautiful examples and witnesses throughout history, and even in our own lives, the people that we know and love, withstanding great, great trials and doing so um, with their own struggles, 
but coming out on the other side, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I've learned that over everything that I've endured. Um, yeah, just how strong and capable I am. And I think it's really important that our kids see that too, right? That they see um, mm. which techniques we try to tell them to use when they're stressed and worried. And so I want them to see that I am weak, that my weakness is part of me and that that's normal. But then where I turn to for strength, I want them to see me on my knees begging for strength. And I want them to see me um, using other, you know, secular ways to calm down and to manage those things. Cause that's what we try to teach our kids. And so mm. I want them to see that within me, I have that power to endure and to overcome as well. Mm -hmm. And that we can't predict how we will be transformed, right? right? Because it isn't our plan. And so to worry about someone else's plan mm. <laughs> um, is kind of a, an exercise in, in futility. But I'm reminded of St. Augustine, his quote, uh, to trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to God's providence. That just reminded me your whole story and how you came to remembering God's role in the entirety of our lives and that it will it will help us take the pressure off of ourselves to make all things new, right? In scriptures, mm -hmm. who says that in the Bible? Mm -hmm. It's not us. <laughs> it's, isn't it Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> he says, or it's a, it's from Isaiah, I think. Um, he makes all things new. So he will do that. He will do that with our past. And he has already taken care of this as well in our futures. And that though we have a part, an active role that we need to play, and we need to take responsibility for our actions in the moment, day to day, that ultimately the overarching plan comes from goodness itself. And so we can rest in that and we can kind of take a little bit off our minds. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So, Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? You and I have talked many times about the um, videos from the 1940s and 1950s uh, about, yes. right, like our homes and beauty and, and like those home ec type videos. So I've gone mm -hmm. down that rabbit hole again. It seems to come in a cycle. <laughs> and It does. Right? And I've only had kind of like 20 minute breaks here and there. And so I've just been filling it with those. And then Jason's been all of a sudden going, well, what are you watching? Because he'll come and sit with me. He loves them too. And then the kids love them too. And so in some ways we laugh, right? Or like roll our eyes. Right. Um, but in a lot of ways, I actually found like, I, I still find it to be incredibly inspiring. And so we'll finish watching one. And Jason and I were talking then this week about like, how we still want to live, how we want our family to live, and that those are still the ideals. Um, and they don't have to be anybody else's ideals, but they are the ideals for Jason and I and how we want our family and our life to be just within our own house. It's not about doing it for anybody else and so we we were watching them and then we were talking about how when the kitchen is renovated we'll you know serve more cocktails and like just all these fun things about mm -hmm. how we want to take care of ourselves better and our home and just really feel that cozy nostalgia from those old videos so that's what I've been loving this week I love that. I do love those videos. They seem to either be, like we were saying, um, videos they used at schools mm -hmm. and institutions, or they're commercials. Yeah. Like back in the day when commercials were 20 minutes and informative, yep. like actually informative. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, there were, and some of them were training videos for like how to sell a housewife and electric stove. But then there's so mm. many products that I'm like, why are those better than the products we have now? Having just been doing appliance <laughs> shopping, I'm like, ah, oh, the appliances from the 50s look so much better than the appliances we have now. Um, so they sold me right. on them, a woman in 2019. But yeah, they're just, I re- they are fun to watch and there's a plethora of them available on YouTube. So that's what I'm loving. Perfect. What about you, Michelle? So last weekend, Phil and my sister and I wanted to watch a movie. Mm -hmm. So we actually started a movie that is not what I'm loving this week. (laughs) Um, It's called Hostiles. I don't know if anyone knows. It's a Western starring Christian Bale. Mm -mm. And I basically watched the first 30 seconds of it and then spent the next five minutes covering my eyes because there's like zero inference happening. Mm -hmm. And I was just I was uncomfortable with some of the violence and I kept asking like, can I open my eyes yet? Mm. (laughs) And Phil would say, "Uh, no, don't open your eyes yet. So by the time five minutes pass and I'm still sitting on the couch covering my eyes, like my five-year-olds do during (laughs) movies, um, (laughs) mercifully, we decided to switch movies and we settled on Hunter Killer. Have you heard of this movie? No, that's I'm loving it. So you week. went from one that was upsetting you, and the one you picked is called yeah. Hunter Killer. Walk me through yes. this. Um, all right. <laughs> I didn't even think of how mm-hmm. that sounded until you called me out on right. it. Um, <laughs> Show me your your thought, your line of thought here, Michelle. <laughs> all right. So it's not how it sounds. <laughs> I'll start with that. Um, it came out last year. Uh, stars Gerard Butler. Linda Cardellini, Gary Oldman is in it. Mm. Um, it is, it has a very Hunt for Red October vibe to mm-hmm. it. So it's like the tensions between Russia and the States. Ooh. So yeah, the story follows a submarine crew and a group of Navy SEALs mm-hmm. who they have been tasked with trying to rescue the Russian president from a coup. <gasps> So this movie does thriller very well. It's tense and fast paced and I thought really well acted, um, but not not upsetting like other movies that I may have mentioned previously. So I would I would recommend this for sure if you're in the mood for a good summer action thriller movie. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. And if you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time.